0: This is Cindy Presgraves with Real Estate Divorce Single Mom, and today I'm introducing Stephanie Saul, and she is a divorce attorney. Hi. Hi, Stephanie.
1: Yes, so, I've been a divorce attorney for 28 years, just about, uh, in October, and I have several areas that I practice in. Uh, Uh, civil litigation being the main one. I do some criminal litigation, but uh, the majority of my practice is domestic relations and family law litigation.
0: Which one is your favorite one um, out of all of them? Well,
1: my favorite type of action is an uncontested adoption because that is the happiest type of legal action that you can have. Uh, there are no adverse parties. Um, it's a it's, uh, completely uncontested and happy occasion. Uh, unfortunately, that is pretty rare to have uncontested adoptions. But when you get them, they are very joyful and just the happiest kind of work.
0: That's amazing. I, I had no idea that um, there's like an uncontested adoption and all that. Do you see that a lot in... Uh, what do you actually mainly see that around? Like, is it you in divorces see it
1: with and- step parents? Um, uh, somebody gets remarried. Um, you know, it's usually a mother gets remarried. Um, maybe the you know the father has never really been in the picture. Um, you know, Maybe he's incarcerated or he's just kind of you know dropped off the map. Uh, she gets remarried and she wants her new husband to adopt. Although I have had step-parent adoptions where it was a a stepmother who was adopting. So it certainly isn't limited to just stepfathers.
0: That's really nice. I didn't, I, I honestly, I knew about like, you know, about um, step-parents, like it could be either party mom or father adopting the, um, the child of the other party. So I've seen that. But uh-huh. I didn't know that there, there was like an uncontested adoption or so forth. Um, sometimes I know what happens when the father is not being reached.
1: Well, there are statutory steps that you can take to find a party. Uh, it, it's similar to to if you're trying to get divorced and you can't find them. Uh, the court requires that you take certain steps to try to locate a party, uh, because they are, are, of course, entitled to due process yeah. and um, any type of action, whether it's civil or criminal. And you would have to show the court that you first diligently tried to find uh, the party that you're trying to have serve. Um, with the Internet being so available, uh, you know, with so much information, uh, it's not unusual for the court to have lawyers go to extra steps, like having a a private investigator uh, make attempts to try to find somebody. But uh, failing that, if you can show the court that you have diligently searched and you can't find the party, then the court will then allow you to do what's called service by publication. And that is placing a legal notice in the newspaper uh, where it runs for a certain period of time. It's usually Um, series of once a week for four weeks, and then after the statutory time has run, then the court can go ahead and terminate the rights of the person uh, that you were trying to serve personally but could not find, and then the step-parent, in this case, if we're talking about a step-parent adoption, is able to step in and legally adopt the child.
0: Interesting. I did not know that. I learned something new today. (laughs) So, um, so now going to divorces and all that, have you seen an increase in divorces or like with a pandemic with like this whole COVID situation since 2020? Um, how is that working for divorce attorneys?
1: I I have seen a huge increase in divorces. Um, I, in regular contact with a lot of my colleagues that uh, do this type of work as well. I have a lot of other friends that are divorce attorneys and I'm on um, several social media groups where we share a lot of good information and uh, definitely um, at, well, as I'll, I'll say this, as the pandemic started, there was a complete shutdown of any type of legal actions beginning because nobody knew what was going on. Um, Everybody was pretty uh, freaked out, um, including myself to some degree. Um, You know, I was wondering if this was going to be, you know, just some type of horrible pandemic where uh, people were uh, just, you know, dying in the streets, kind of like in Stephen King's The Stand. I mean, I had, you know, visions of that. Fortunately, that hasn't come true, but, you You know, it has been pretty dire. And when you have uncertain things like this going on, um, another time I can remember is uh, uh, 9-11. We had the horrible terrorist attacks on our soil. Uh, I remember back then that legal actions really, for the most part, just stopped for, it was at least several weeks, um, if not more because there was so much uncertainty as to what was going on in our country. You know, were we under um, attack on a full scale, like a war? Uh, Were we going to start seeing more attacks in different cities like Chicago, uh, Los Angeles? And there were so many unknowns. Um, And then, you know, of course, we went to war in Afghanistan. And whenever there are, things like that going around uh, around us globally or nationally that are of a serious major scale, it's always going to filter down and affect the community and then filter down even more and affect the families and individuals that need to make decisions as to whether they should take legal action. So, uh, so yes, um, initially, uh, there was a complete cessation of, uh, Clients, uh, for the most part, with there, there were a few emergency uh, situations that arose with new clients, um, you know, that contacted us, and you know, we did what we could, um, given that the courts were shut down for several weeks, and then we were able to start working remotely with the courts, which was just a godsend. Um, but uh, after. Uh, Governor Kemp opened things back up in June of 2020. That did start the floodgates slowly, and then increasingly uh, crashing open with new business. Um, and there were, a, I think, a lot of reasons for that. Um, there are there a lot of jokes that have gone around the internet and, you know, other different places about. Uh, being locked down with your spouse and, you know, how that's cruel and unusual punishment and, you know, things like that. But, you know, all kidding aside, if you are already on shaky ground in your marriage, already having problems, and then you have the stress of a quarantine, then that is going to cause you to want to go ahead and follow through with getting separated from that spouse, you know, more than likely once the need for the quarantine or the lockdown is over, so I think uh, in a lot of cases with with a lot of couples, it just jump started what was probably already in the making. Uh, that you know they wanted to um, you know make a change in their marriage uh, because it just wasn't working out, and the pandemic kind of made the decision for them. Uh also you had a heck of a lot of stimulus money floating around and all of a sudden you <laughs> have people with uh with full pockets that maybe weren't necessarily um uh, sure about how they wanted to spend it, um, but spending it on a legal action actually sounded like a good idea. So um so yes, we have had a huge rush in business since uh um, June of 2020.
0: That's amazing. That's, that's good to hear. Um, Several of my friends have gotten also divorced or um, it's, it's really interesting to see like different, like from different perspective of different people, because I, I have a friend, he's actually um, a commercial pilot and he's been struggling with his marriage for almost, five, six, eight years now. And he's been like, first of thing is he's been embarrassed of getting divorced or stepping out or saying, you know, but he remains in the same toxic relationship. And now he actually sold all his assets and he's actually proceeding with divorce. Um, I have another friend that she's, um, she's actually been struggling, same issues over and over again. And even though her husband is, he's military, but he's been in and out. She's finally after 16 or I think 16 or 17 years, she's actually finally decided to get divorced. And it's like some of these people have been in toxic relationships and something like, I remember when I got my first divorce was like, you know what? I don't want to get divorced because what society says it's, it's bad. It's not good at all. You know what? That's going to put a number in me. But actually, it is not. It actually, you're actually growing as a person. Yes, it is very painful. But are you wanting to, you want to stay in in that mental capacity, mental, it's your mental being. Mm -hmm. But do you want to stay in that unhappiness? You want to move forward or stay in that toxic, uh, toxic relationship? Or find your happiness, find yourself, heal. And that's a problem that people don't do. They actually don't heal and jump into relationships or marriages. So, what about what would you say about that?
1: I would say that by the time somebody comes to see me, I'm I'm the last resort. I mean, I'm, I'm the person that nobody wants to come to see, which I can understand, and I don't take it personally when people say, "I wish we had met under other circumstances." Um, I I understand. Uh, nobody starts out a marriage uh, with the idea of, "Oh, we'll probably get divorced." Some Someday. I mean, nobody has that kind of outlook, Uh, but unfortunately it does happen. And I do ask potential clients when they come to talk to me at an initial interview. And that is the first step. If if somebody uh, either knows they want to get divorced or, or just wants more information, what I encourage them to do is to make an appointment to come in and see me or they can schedule one virtually. There's some people that are preferring that. Uh, which is fine. You know, I, I provide either one. Um, and so one of the first things that I will ask them when they come in, just to kind of gauge if they have used all of, of their options. I, I've asked them if, if they've gone to counseling, you know, I, I ask if they've um, maybe utilized a pastor at church, you know, if they haven't gone to marriage, formal marriage counseling um, I've asked them if they've sat down and talked with their spouse about what's going on um, and if, you know, maybe uh, it's something that can be worked out between them. It's a temporary situation to which you don't want a, a final solution like a divorce. The separation is, is what the, uh, the best solution is. Um, and it's, you know, it's not always divorce. Uh, but what I find most of the time is that by the time, that somebody is sitting in my chair over here across from me is that they've exhausted all of those options. And, uh, they either know that they want a divorce because there is no other alternative, um, that is acceptable or, uh, they want a divorce and they're not ready to go through with it, but they just want the basic information about how it works and, um, what they should do uh, in order to be educated about whether they want to go ahead and file for divorce and that type of thing.
0: What are you seeing more? Do you think people are doing more uncontested or contested divorces?
1: Um, Well, I will say that everybody wants to have an uncontested divorce. Uh, That's uh, sort of like uh, Everybody's saying that when they die, they want to go to heaven. I mean, who wouldn't want to. Um, nobody wants to have a contested divorce because they're tough. You know, they're expensive. They can be bloody, so to speak. Um, so having said that, I guess, guess I need to explain what the difference is between a contested and an uncontested divorce. Because there is a lot of confusion out there about what that means. Um, Some people think that an uncontested divorce just simply means that both the husband and the wife agree they want a divorce. Um, Well, that's sort of a a necessary beginning, um, but that's not the only uh, component in an uncontested divorce. I would say more importantly, what they need to be in agreement on is how are they gonna resolve the issues of their marriage? And that's important for two reasons. First of all, they're going to have to address these issues one way or the other. Uh, Second of all, in Georgia, a court cannot grant a divorce until all of the issues of the marriage have been resolved. And that takes place either by complete settlement um, by the parties, uh, entering into a settlement agreement that resolves all the issues, or it occurs after the parties have been through a bench trial, which is where a judge decides all of the issues. uh, Or uh, you can opt for a jury trial. There are certain issues that can be decided by a jury uh, in Georgia. We're one of two states that allows a a jury trial for a divorce, Texas being the other, uh, which is a pretty interesting distinction to, um, you know, to be able to have a, a, jury trial for your divorce. um, And juries don't decide custody. A judge just decides that. But as far as alimony, child support, division of assets, debt allocation, and the granting of the divorce itself, a a jury can decide those things. So what folks need to do first is decide, well, uh, do I have an uncontested divorce or do I have a contested divorce? And so With an uncontested divorce, um, the spouses would need to be in agreement on all the issues that relate to the marriage, which would be uh, custody and visitation if there's minor children, um, child support, division of assets. And and when I say assets, that's everything from tangible things like cars and boats and uh, campers and, Gun collections, you know, personal property to <laughs> securities, um, such as four hundred and one k's, money market accounts, bank accounts, uh, stocks, uh, things that people don't always think about right away when they think about getting divorced. Um, houses, you know, property, uh, equity in the houses. Uh, that's under the umbrella of um, assets. Uh, Then the fourth area is debt allocation. Uh, A lot of times you're going to have consumer debt in a marriage or unpaid taxes. Um, There's got to be a way to figure out how that's going to be paid. Uh, And then finally, alimony is a fifth possible issue, uh, which is the maintenance of a spouse. Uh, Don't see it as much these days as you have in the past. Um, but it is still an option for some people and I mean, everybody has the right to ask for it. doesn't mean it's going to be granted, but, um, courts do award alimony, you know, in certain situations. Yeah. And, uh, those are the five main areas. Now there are some other, what I call sub issues like health insurance, uh, things like that. Um, but, the five major areas that I just mentioned are the ones that people would need to be in agreement on in order to have an uncontested divorce. And if they could not reach an agreement on one or more of those issues, then they would need to have either a court decide it or a jury um, in, you know, extreme cases. It doesn't happen too often that you have a jury, but it does sometimes. Uh, what I see happening most often in contested actions, which is you know where a divorce will start out contested, uh, which means one side is going to file for divorce as the plaintiff and the other side is served with the action. And that party has 30 days to file an answer, which usually they do. And they often will file a counterclaim for a divorce and So at that point, it's fully contested and it's being litigated in the courts. But what can also happen at this point is, especially if there are two good lawyers involved, uh, what the goal is, is for the lawyers to work together to see if they can resolve the differences, um, either by negotiating back and forth, going to mediation is also a very popular method of reaching an agreement. And that's where you have a third party neutral who is usually an attorney, but does not have to be under the Georgia neutral rules. And then if they're able to reach an agreement. Then that's great because the case started out contested, but it wound up uncontested after the efforts of the attorneys.
0: That's really interesting. I mean, it's it's interesting because a lot of people think, no, you know what, um, that it's really really complicated to get divorced. And in some situations, yes, depending. um, I've also seen like if there's like a lot of assets involved, that's like, oh gosh, um, it, it's it's insane. But I mean, sometimes either party just goes ahead and just gives it up, or depends, you know, it just takes all the losses and just walks away. And some others. Um, might be in a divorce for over 10 years?
1: Well, I've never had a divorce that's lasted 10 years. Fortunately, I've had some that have definitely felt like they were lasting for 10 years. Um, and for my clients, I'm sure it felt like they, it was probably 50 times longer than 10 years. Uh, but I would say that it, it's not unusual to have a contested divorce that lasts about a year. And I tell people that when they're asking, well, how long does it take? And and there are so many factors that are involved. It is really hard to say, but that's not an unusual ballpark because we have a six month period of discovery under our superior court rules where we can ask for information from the other side about finances, custody, things like that. Um, Information that we need in order to evaluate a case and uh, decide what is the best way to proceed after we know what's in the marital estate and we know what each party wants. And you can, uh, at that point, then evaluate it for settlement. And then if settlement is not possible, then you prepare it for trial.
0: Interesting. Interesting. That, that's that's good to know and then what areas do you cover like do you only are you only licensed in the state of Georgia for divorces um currently or?
1: I am licensed in the state of Georgia um my husband and I own a home in Minnesota and we're part-time residents there I keep starting to fill out my bar application for Minnesota and I just keep Getting interrupted because uh, things are so busy here. But now that we're empty nesters, I think maybe I'll have some time to <laughs> well, finish applying to the Minnesota bar. Why um, would
0: you want to go to Minnesota? It's too cold up there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, we have some lake property, and um, we go there in the summer, which is the best time to go to Minnesota because it's like our fall in Georgia. <laughs> And going, you know, for maybe one or two snows a year is it's okay. But living there full time, no, I'm, I'm a Southern girl.
0: No, I definitely agree. I used to live in North Dakota for ten years, and I'm like, no, nope, I will not go back there. I refuse those uh incredible nine months of winter. I'm I'm okay with Georgia. I like Georgia. I'll I'll take the the warm weather, ninety degrees all day long.
1: Well it's hard to find a better place to live in the South. And I know I'm biased because I've lived here all my life. I've born and bred in um, Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, I went to law school in Alabama and then I've, I've been a resident of Georgia since 1993. And it's easy to see why everybody wants to move to the South from all corners of the earth. And, you know, of course, many places and, and, our country, you know, come here because uh, it is just such a great place to live.
0: Definitely. I mean, I never saw myself growing. I mean, well, moving to Georgia, I, I, I was born in Texas. I lived in Alabama, lived in California. I lived in Puerto Rico. I lived in South America. I lived in North Dakota. Now I'm basically, I'm staying here in Georgia forever, (laughs) knocking on wood. (laughs) (laughs) That's my plan. Well, but, I mean,
1: that's my plan too. I'm uh, maybe a part-time resident of Minnesota, but uh, Georgia's where my heart is and my body is the majority of
0: the time. But now a question: So, are are Minnesota rules like like when it comes to law? Is it different?
1: Well, that's a good question because every state has different laws. Um, I had mentioned earlier that in Georgia, the court will not grant a divorce until all the issues of the marriage have been resolved. And that's something that is unique to Georgia and probably some other states. But um, I believe in North Carolina, you can get divorced first and then work out all the issues or litigate all the other issues later, which hasn't really made sense to me because that doesn't give people a real incentive to get it done and resolve these issues. If, if they're divorced and then, you know, you can put things on hold for an extended period of time. I, I like the way Georgia does it because it, it really forces people to focus on resolving the issues, hopefully by agreement. But if not, they utilize the court system to do that. And then, then they're granted their divorce once all the issues have been resolved. And the laws are very different from state to state. Uh, For example, in Georgia, you can be divorced 31 days after all of the appropriate paperwork has been filed in. That is very short when you compare that to other states. As a matter of fact, I don't think there is another state that allows for a timeframe that's that quick. Uh, When you file for divorce, it's an essential element of getting divorced that you be in a bona fide state of separation, which basically means that you are no longer having relations with your spouse. Uh, and you must continue to not have relations while the case is pending, which for most people is a no brainer, but you know, it does. <laughs> happen. Believe it or not, it does happen. I've had to dismiss cases because. Uh, Congratulations. But, <laughs> pregnant. So what happens now? <laughs> Oh, we've had all kinds of things happen uh, where cases were dismissed because the parties, um, you know, maybe reconciled, maybe didn't mean to reconcile, but had relations. And but under Georgia law, that made their divorce action null and void. So they had to refile. Um, But assuming that, uh, you know, most people uh, follow the rules and they don't have relations while the case is pending and, and they reach an agreement, they can be granted a full divorce 31 days after all the paperwork's been filed in. And you compare that to another state, well, you know, North Carolina comes to mind. Uh, and unless they've changed it there, uh, they used to mandate a period of, I believe it was a year separation. And you I heard- could just be not having relations you had to live in separate houses, which, again, that seems very burdensome and onerous. Uh, sometimes people in lower income brackets, they don't have the money to get a separate housing. And so um, I've just wondered, you know, what it would be like to have to practice under those circumstances where there are very restrictive, uh um, time periods in which you have to be separated and um, staying in that state of separation for quite some time.
0: So then my question is, is cause I've had heard of that I, and I thought it was South Carolina, um, at Hartwell, is it South Carolina or when you go to Hartwell, that's North Carolina, no, South Carolina or Georgia, North Carolina?
1: Georgia and South Carolina. So Hartwell, South Carolina.
0: So I've heard that people will actually commute from South Carolina to Georgia just because those 6 months so they can actually get divorced faster. <laughs> I've heard this. I, I don't know anybody that's done this just in case. <laughs> just asking for a friend on this case. <laughs> they told me that <laughs> who was there? I don't remember. I just asking for a friend. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. but,
1: but that that's that's actually that's fine. That that is completely permissible because to establish residency in Georgia, you only have to live here for 6 months and uh I don't know about you know people you know, moving here to file here, but that is a requirement in order for you to file in Georgia to be granted a divorce. You have to have been a resident for the state uh, or in the state of Georgia for at least six months prior to filing. Now, of course, that rule doesn't apply if let's say you live in Pennsylvania, you and your spouse have been separated for a long time. Your spouse still lives in Georgia you can still file in Georgia. You can submit yourself to the jurisdiction of Georgia from Pennsylvania, but you're having to come here, of course, to do it.
0: Yeah. You can always go where the defendant lives and file that way. Yeah. In my case, that didn't work that way. He lives in Japan. So that's, that's a different story. <laughs> I had to wait till he came over here be like, let's get all the papers done. We're done. <laughs> Hey, that works, too. It depends on. So have you worked with any military cases and all that, like spouses that, you know, they're overseas in a different state or so forth? Or I have had some military cases.
1: Um, I, I, as a matter of fact, I just did a military case. Um, the parties were not married, uh, but there was a child as a result of their relationship. And of course, you know, cases like that there are legal obligations and rights that people have when they have children together, even if if they're not married. And so we did a legitimation and visitation order for the father who was stationed uh, outside of Georgia and, you know, the courts ordered child support and, you know, that type of thing. Um, But yes, um, and sadly, military cases—those um, uh, are some that just really um, tend to twist my heart. Just because uh, military <clears throat> marriages are under such strain because of obvious reasons, but um, there's a very high divorce rate with there
0: marriage. is. Um, so. I—I I've, mean, I've—I had been a military dependent. Okay. So I've gotten married to military twice, divorced twice. And okay. I have a thing for military guys. Okay. So <laughs> it's that uniform and they're fit and they talk about, I mean, the way they talk to, to you. And it's just like, I mean, and especially what, yeah. <laughs> but in this case, like it's, it's unfortunate because I I've seen like, with my ex-husband, yes, he is in Japan, but I do everything as I can to accommodate the kids in him. So if it wasn't for the pandemic, I would already be, you know, trying to get there like, hey, you know what, like for Christmas, I would love to go to Japan for Christmas, but there's so many high restrictions. But if we were in a different world, then you know what, I would definitely be happy to go there. I would myself go, of course, who doesn't want to go to Japan? <laughs> I'm doing it for the kids. Okay. <laughs> but I'm also giving that, that opportunity. Um, in my ex-husband's case with his ex-wife and his kids in Kentucky, it had been a totally different story. She was very spiteful, but she never let the kids be involved with their dad. That's so unfortunate. I mean, it's, it's unfortunate and it's insane, but I wish like a lot of parents, divorced parents would just co-parent and understand instead of being uh, spiteful, think about the kids and how important that is for their development. And it's emotional, mental. um, It's, it's all of those little things that when they grow up, it's the relationship. They're going to be building and going to be having as a family, a future family for them. But a lot of people don't think about that.
1: Right. Right. Um, I've I've heard, So much good advice over the years from divorce court judges. Um, Sometimes people take it, sometimes they don't. Uh, But I've heard the phrase, try to love your children more than you hate your ex-spouse, which is, of course, very good advice. Um, uh, I've heard, heard one judge say, when you criticize the father of your children or the mother of your children, what your child he hears is you're criticizing one half of me, because your child is fifty percent you and fifty percent the other parent, and that, that's true. That that's good advice. And the uh, the superior courts in Georgia, which uh, include all of the counties um, of Georgia. I can't speak for like some of the rural counties, but I imagine it's uh, more than likely true for them. But the vast majority of the counties in Georgia will require a divorcing parent seminar before they will grant a divorce if the people still have minor children. And in the seminar, they, they tell you things that most of us know. You don't do like you don't badmouth your spouse in front of your kids, and you don't talk about things like child support to your kids. <laughs> you, things that just uh, that all of us know, or you know, all of us should know, burden children and just take away f- unnecessarily from their childhood, and uh, just give them loads that, that they shouldn't have to carry, and. You know, really giving the benefit of the doubt. I think most people do know that, you know, deep down. Um, when you're in a divorce, a lot of times you're not at your best. Uh, you are going through a tremendous amount of pain, anger, uh, upheaval, embarrassment, grief. I mean, all of the negative emotions that you can think of, a lot of times you're experiencing them all at once. And because people are human, Sometimes they will do knuckleheaded things like um, speak ill of of their spouse to their children or uh, vent about how hard the divorce is to their kids, who don't need to be hearing that. But in this seminar, they remind people, or in some cases, they educate people for the first time that may not know that this is the kind of thing that that you don't do. Uh, And they put that at the forefront of. Everybody's minds that's going through a divorce that, hey, you know, these are the kind of things that you should do to successfully co parent. These are the kind of things you don't do. And I, I, I've never been through the class myself, but I've had clients tell me that it, it is helpful just to have um, an educator just reminding them of these things. And in some cases they've said it's made a difference with their spouse, you know, when their spouse is hearing about
0: these do's and don'ts for parents. And and especially I've been personally through the class and it does say about like, think about your son, think about your kids and think about the words that you say, those are really, really important. And sometimes people don't do that. It all depends on, on the circumstances and all that too. But in this case, I mean, yeah, you know what? Sometimes I do want to strangle my ex husband, but I mean, there's nothing I can do. He's still, he's going to be there for, for the rest of my life, but it's most likely being as most as successfully as I can co parent. So it's, uh, it's interesting, but I think people are starting. Okay. So I'm going to bring out TikTok. There's the, the moms of Tampa. They are, um, so it's a divorced couple that they co-parent and they're all friends. So the ex-husband remarried. So the the ex-spouse is best friends with a new wife. And they they have they co-parent and it's good because now that's actually building into society and it's actually keeping you that mentality about like, oh no, why are you talking to the ex? You shouldn't be friends with the ex. Why are you communicating with her? No. And it's actually opening a new I would say back then it was a taboo of why should you even have a relationship with the hus- the ex-spouse husband or wait, the spouse of the ex-husband. Why are you even integrating in that? But now slowly. And I think that's going to be happening more often, especially as it's more integrated because I've actually been seeing it. Okay, I'm bringing up TikTok again and a lot of other people in TikTok. <laughs> so yeah. My source of of reference TikTok. (laughs) But people are encouraging that because that actually helps, especially creating that bond, that co-parenting. And actually it helps a lot the kids.
1: I've heard of that as well. And um, I've had at least, I'm trying to think uh, over the years, I've had probably two or three cases at least. And these are just ones that I knew of where the the ex spouses and their new partners or their new spouses all went on summer vacation together with the kids I and mean, one big happy family, uh, which is not something you see every day, but that, you know, it's very refreshing when you do
0: see that. And that's, and that's amazing because it's actually people don't think about the emotional um I would say like building an emotional um, tie by the same time. It's actually build them up in a different way on seeing things differently. And yeah, you know what? Believe me. Sometimes people think that divorce is not okay, but you need to find your happiness and it's okay to, to talk to a divorce lawyer. It's okay to get divorced and it's don't feel embarrassed about just saying, Oh, I can't get divorced. Um, look, I'm going to be honest with you. It took my mom almost 35 years, uh, let's say 32 years to get divorced because she had the whole embarrassment mentality and what she's going to do. And, you know, I can't move forward without a man or I can't, you know, I can't do it on my own. You can do it on your, your own. There's resources out there. It's just basically getting on your feet is going to be sometimes a little bit hard. But when you put your mind onto it or into it, you're going to be. Um, do amazing, and it doesn't matter if you're a single parent or not. You can just do it. You got to believe in yourself, and that's why I always encourage divorces. <laughs> I am pro <born> divorce. <laughs> I've been through it myself twice, and yeah, you know, the first divorce was I I broke down because I was like, I'm getting divorced. I can't believe I'm doing this. This is something that is not accepted by society. How is you know? I lost a lot of friends in my in my first divorce, but. Yeah, Did
1: they- have People tell me that they don't want to get divorced because they feel like they're losers. And, uh, you know, this is a failure of such a monumental scale. And you know what I tell them? I said, no, that doesn't tell me that you're a failure. That tells me you tried to do something right. And I think that's more important. And what I might say to them as well, if they have children. I'll say, well, look what you've got from this marriage. I mean, it may not have ended the way you wanted, but you have your children and certainly they're not mistakes.
0: That'll make the person start to really see things in perspective. And I totally agree with you on that just because you're right. People do think that it's hard to talk to a lawyer. No, it's not. It's just taking that step if you're in an unhappy, toxic relationship, you feel that things are not going right. I'm not saying, hey, talk to a counselor. We'll seek for help. Do that first. Talk to a lawyer. See what your options are. See if that's really you want to move forward. Because, I mean, even if you start the process of getting divorced, you can just go ahead and stop it. I actually, a couple of weeks ago, um, there's this lady. She was married. I think she was married for 15 or 28 years. I know there's a time difference there. And two years later, she's actually dating her ex-husband.
1: I've, I've had that happen in a couple of my cases too. But they and
0: sometimes, mm-hmm. and sometimes you have to get divorced. You need that separation. You need that time to find yourself as a person, to make sure that you're actually, you know, that's where you want to be. It doesn't mean that you get divorced and you're going to go party as a rock star. That doesn't r- r- usually happen. Well, it all depends. Some cases, yes. Some cases, no. It all depends on the person. But sometimes you're you think that you're you're not the they're not the one that there's so many things that happen and you come back together, especially if you have kids. It all depends. There's no right or wrong. I mean, if you get divorced, you can always get remarried. And if you have that separation, there's always legal separation. Right.
1: Right. You can always you can always dismiss The divorce action, if you decide to reconcile at any time prior to the court issuing the final order, and I've had that, you know, happen before, you know, people reconcile in the middle of a divorce case, Um, that's, you know, it's not
0: terribly common, but it does happen. I've, uh, I've known a couple that, that they got divorced three times and gotten married three times. (laughs) so it's like, um, so (laughs) I'll pass you your further information. (laughs) So, but I mean, there's, there's so many aspects and that's one of the reasons I wanted to bring Stephanie on there because, um, some of you might be in a situation that you want to step that, um, make that step, make that decision, but don't know how, or are just afraid of, saying, hey, you know what, I'm going to be a loser. Nobody's going to like me. I'm going to lose a lot of friends. But you know what? If you really lose all those friends, it's going to be for the best because they were, in the first place, they were never your friends. So that's okay. It's a new chapter.
1: That's true. So- and, and, and fortunately, we live in a, a country where people are free to get divorced if they want to. Uh, that's not the case in, in some countries especially for women uh, but I I do want to speak to the stigma that you spoke of surrounding divorce uh, it's not nearly as bad as it used to be uh, but it, it still does remain and I would say especially you know with people of faith uh, it, it can be very stigmatizing um you know especially if you go to a church or maybe a synagogue where they frown on divorce. Um, And that can make decisions very hard to make for people that find themselves in unhappy marriages and don't know what to do. But um, if you start thinking, uh, boy, I am just creating this terrible legacy, especially for my kids, you know, I'm going to be a divorced mom or a divorced dad. And that's the Portrait of failure and oh my family's gonna be so embarrassed, and you know my grandmother's just gonna be upset. And think about it though. If you get divorced and there's gonna be a decree that's signed by a judge that's gonna declare you divorced, that is not a bad action. That's not a, a, a sorrowful event. This the unfortunate event is that your marriage died well before divorce attorneys got involved, well before your case was assigned to a judge. When you have a death certificate and it reflects that there was a person that lived and and was born on this date and died on this date, the death certificate didn't do anything. The, the death certificate isn't bad. It merely reflects that there was an organic event that occurred, which was the death of a human being. And I liken a final judgment decree to that as well. The, The final judgment and decree is not some horrible document that has destroyed lives. It's merely reflecting what has already occurred naturally, and that is the demise of a marriage. And that's how people ought to think of it if they do decide that there is no other alternative and they do have to get a divorce.
0: And that's, I mean, and it's, and, you know, it's just like you need, if you are in a situation that you think you can't get out, out of it, seek help, seek help. Cause there's um, different numbers out there. There's a lot of help, especially in the States here. So, I mean, there's different ways, but you need to find your happiness, regardless in what situation you are in. And keep in mind, don't stay in a marriage that you're in it because of your kids. Because if not, and I'll tell you this, I mean, I I lived with my parents for 22 years and I always tell my parents, why don't you guys get divorced? You guys would be better off divorced because it was a constant fight, arguments. I mean, I grew up with all that. And honestly, that affected me as, as a child, but I, I basically worked on that. (laughs) I'm not crazy. I promise. But I mean, it's just like, think about your kids. If you're saying I'm staying in it because of my kids, I'm staying in it because I cannot make it. You need to change your mindset and you need to seek help. And I'm not saying you're crazy, by the way. I'm just saying, just find out there's other resources. Don't, don't ever say that you're embarrassed or you're a loser because you're not, you're you're the most important person, and that is starts with you. If you're not a healthy parent or a healthy person, how are you going to be able to be there for your kids or yourself? How are you able? Are how are you going to be able to make important decisions in life? So think about that. It's like running a business. That's
1: you're the, that, that oh, that's very true. Uh, when you're on an airplane, you know they tell you when the oxygen mask if they have to come down, you you put it on yourself first before you put it on your kid. Well, you have to be healthy first before you can help your kids be healthy. And that's not being selfish. That's, that's being a good parent. And as far as asking for help, uh, and you know, sometimes people are embarrassed or um, you know, worry about, Oh gosh, what if somebody finds out that I, you know, saw a counselor or a divorce attorney, uh, that's what professionals are there for. They're, they're there to give you professional advice. You can look on the internet all day long and find a bunch of stuff that more than likely isn't true, or it may not apply to your state. Um, it, it, it definitely uh, there can be, uh, half truths and, you know, we all know there's a bunch of just flat out lies that you can find on the internet. But if you go to a licensed professional about anything, you know, whether it's uh, for counseling or for divorce attorney or um, for a realtor like you, it's not a real good idea to try to sell your own house. I've seen pitfalls of people trying to do that and having all kinds of negative consequences. So whenever you seek advice from a professional, you're doing yourself a favor.
0: And for military spouses out there too, believe me, there's so many resources out there that are going to be able to help you. I'm going to put this, um, I'll put this on my uh, my Facebook page, on YouTube. Feel free to message me. Feel free to comment below. Um, I'll be able to, uh, I'll be happy to um, share that information with you guys too. Um, but the first step is focusing on yourself. And if you're a business owner and you're like why are you talking about divorce this is only for single parents no it is not because keep in mind even though if you're married or you're going through a tough situation think about that you're the CEO of your company but think about that you're the CEO of your life and how would you run that business so this is basically looking at it as how are you running your life where do you want to be at what is your goals 3 to 5 year goals 6 to 6 years. 6 months to a year so think about it. If you don't see it as that way, that you're just like, oh, you know what? This is just basically ridiculous. Think about it as a business situation. How would you manage your business? And how are you managing your life? Where do you want to be at in that time frame? So, yeah. So this was really um, interesting. This is amazing. Thank you for being here, Stephanie. Um, I look forward to having more podcasts with you. And this is Sunny Press Grace with Real Estate Divorce Single Mom, and this is Stephanie Slab. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you you for joining us. (laughs) Thank you, Stephanie.